What's up, everyone? We're back for another episode of the Open Guard Cast. Really excited for this week's episode. We got Ethan Krellenston on this week. So one of the newest members of the B team and, yeah, one of the best 66-kilogram grapplers in the world. So, Ethan, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. No problem, man. Happy to be here. Awesome. So you've been in, in the grappling news a bit lately just because you had a, a major knee surgery. So you're on the mend from that. I think you had that about a week ago, right? Uh, Monday. So today's Monday. Sunday. <laughs> had it, yeah, about a week ago, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. So do you want to talk about – because you posted that you basically didn't have an ACL for three years. So do you want to talk about what it was like prior to the surgery, training and competing sure, at yeah. such a high level with, with no ligament in your knee? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know when exactly it happened. At some point, uh, they told me the injury wasn't acute. It was chronic. So the ACL tear happened uh, anywhere minimum between three and four years ago. Um, and uh, so I had like issues with my other knee a, a while ago, three years ago, and they offered to MRI both knees at the same time. So that's when they found out that there was like no ACL there really. So uh, it wasn't actually bothering me really. It was just, it was just, sorry. I just got to close this door. Sorry, man. Oh, you're good. Like, you're good. Around here. There we go. So yeah, it actually, it wasn't really affecting me. It, I didn't even know it was, uh, it was torn until I got the MRI and uh, they're like, yeah, by the way, you have no ACL on your, on your left knee. So um, it wasn't really affecting me. The only, the only issue was uh, it was leading to tears in my meniscus. It was apparently, according to the surgeons, when you have a unstable knee because of a ACL or PCL tear, um, a lot of the force is translated to the, other, to the other ligaments. So that force is being translated into my meniscus, which led to tears, which is the only reason I'm getting it fixed now because of, uh, I was training in the B team uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, some little tear got a lot worse in my meniscus. So I was like, you know, I guess I got to get this fixed and start hurting a lot more. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Here I am. Yeah, I, I yeah. tore my meniscus before, and people sometimes don't understand that that's a significant injury too, especially if it's like a bucket handle and your knee starts locking up. Is that what happened to yeah. you as well? My knee didn't lock up. I just couldn't. I, I, it was like a very minimal locking. I had pretty much full full extension, full contraction, uh, just no strength in the leg. Like the the whatever was in there that was holding it together just gave at some point. So. There was, um, so you lost a lot of stability, a lot of stability and a lot of strength. Yeah. I couldn't really change direction. I couldn't really pivot fast. Uh, I, again, I couldn't bring my heel to my ass at all. Um, also they were saying, uh, the, so I, I didn't get the meniscus, uh, repaired. I got it trimmed because it was torn up to the point where it was, uh, irreparable. So yeah, mm -hmm. sucks, but hopefully now I'll get a new, better knee. I'll be good to go. So yeah, yeah. Hopefully, any yeah. limitations that the injury was causing you will will heal up, and then you'll be able to come back stronger. That's the goal. <laughs> exactly. That's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah. So, do you want to talk a little bit about um, like how the surgery went? Like, how are you feeling right now, and what's like the recovery plan look like for the next, let's say, six to nine months? Yeah. So, right now, my leg is like black and blue from my hip to my heel from the bruising. Uh, I guess they're they're telling me that's normal, but it's just like uncomfortable the pain itself is pretty much gone uh in my actual knee but just the my whole leg's like kind of swollen uh recovery is gonna start I'm, they told me to start physio immediately they told me to as soon as i could walk walk as soon as i could bike bike so it's taking it day by day i can like 
feel it sort of every day. I get like a little more range of motion. Um, I don't know. I don't know how long it's been like less than a week, so it's already looking good, but we'll see, you know, month yeah. to month how, how it goes. Uh, just a lot of physio, a lot of quad hamstring strengthening stuff. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it'll go well, especially, I feel like nowadays the, the recovery process and just the surgeries have gotten so much more advanced that people come back. Like yeah. there's athletes, like, I don't know if you know who Adrian Peterson is in the NFL, but maybe like I don't know, it was over a decade ago now, but he tore his ACL and he came back yeah. the next season and had like his best season ever, which is that always is blows my mind. But. So motivating. All right, that's going to be me. You got, you got to look I'll him up, back. Adrian Peterson. I will. I'll look him up. I'll look up what he did and how he did it. Yeah, about for that. sure. For sure, for sure. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit too about the like the timing of the injury? Because I know you had some stuff coming up. You were on the EUG promotions yeah. card. Um, yeah, yeah. Gonna, I think you were in the WNO event as well. Yeah. So have you been paying attention to – I'm sure you've been watching WNO because yeah. it's going on this weekend during the time of this for recording. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so yeah, – If you could just touch on those sucks. tournaments. I, you know, I was, I was uh, having, like, random knee issues for the past year. I, it, was, it really wasn't – ACL was completely under the radar for me for the past uh, two years, I'd say. It was only in the last year that I started, like, you know, every now and then my knee would kind of hurt. Weirdly, I didn't know really what was going on, so I would like take a couple of days off, maximum a week off, and then it would be fine. Uh, I would compete on it. I would be totally fine. I would have no issue with it. Uh, it was only really in the past year, and then in the past six or eight months that it started like really bothering me. That I had to take more time off, uh, more random days that would sort of the injury would get in the way of training. Um, and uh, I had all these tournaments lined up, all these tournaments, these matches, whatever, lined up. And I'm like, if I could just hold on for, you know, the next three to four months, then I could do this uh, stint of competing and then, uh, and then go up to Montreal and get it checked out, get an MRI and, and maybe surgery. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so I was hoping to hold out until after this, this sort of series of, of tournaments, um, but didn't happen. So yeah, pretty much it. But uh, yeah, recovery-wise... Yeah, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. I was gonna, I was gonna say on on a positive note. Hopefully, the timing is good for ADCC for 2022. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. The the timing of this is it could be a lot worse if it would have happened. Um, well, if I would have waited to to do these tournaments and then gotten the surgery afterwards, then ADCC probably would not be on the table. Had I done it where, when I did it now, it's it's definitely possible. Like they're saying, uh, they're saying nine months till 100% back to you know, full competition, uh, mm -hmm. you know, handling all, all that stress, uh, six months to training. So nine months back to competition. So that gives me time for ADCC for sure. Yeah. Luckily. So yeah. on a little bit of, yeah, luckily on a little yeah. bit of a lighter note, there's, there's a lot of positive things going on with you and your team right now too. You guys just started the B team. Everyone moved out to Austin, Texas. So do you want to talk about what it was like leaving Puerto Rico? And I don't know if you want to comment anything about the splitting of the team, you don't have to if you don't want to. And then just the formation of the B team and how that's going. Yes, yeah, so Puerto Rico was an awesome chapter in, in all our lives. You know, the guys down there, I, we all love them all. They did so much for us, the, from the training to the logistics to everything. These guys were awesome. Uh, Combat 360, Juan, Fernando, those guys rock. But uh, it, was, it was tough, sort of like we're in limbo for opening up a gym for pretty much since we got there. And um, 
the move to Texas, I'd say is, is a, more than anything like a, a logistics thing for everyone. And the split was just like internal conflicts that I'm just not going to even touch. Um, but that was, uh, I think it was for the best overall. I think there was some, just some issues that were just gonna be there forever. And I think it was better off the way, uh, the way we just went our separate ways. And some guys believed in one thing and other guys believed in another, and that's the way it is. You know, that's how it's going to be. But, um, yeah, I'm really excited for Austin, man. It's, I was able to stay there for like a couple of weeks before this injury. I uh, started getting into a routine, got a place out there. Uh, the gym's like down the street from, uh, from where we all, where we all live. And, uh, it's, it's just awesome. It's a completely different environment. It's in the center of America. So anywhere we want to go in the States, is like a pretty quick, easy flight. Um, it's just awesome. It's a different environment. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to keel and get back there and get back on the, on the ground there and see what's, what's going on with the B team now. Can you talk about who the, the main players are on the B team? I know you have you yourself, Craig, Nikki Rod, Nikki Ryan. Yeah. Any, so you else? got us four. You got us for the, the, I guess the core, core four of the B team. And then you got guys, uh, Isaac Mitchell or Isaac Michelle, uh, Nick Ortiz, um, and as of, as of now, that's, I'd say that's like the main guys right there. Um, but we're, you know, we're going to be bringing guys in. There's going to be already, there's like this seminar in the works with Jason Nolf and, uh, another wrestler, I forget his name, but that's going to be huge. Um, another thing I was, I wish I was there for that. That would be, that's going to be crazy. Uh, the open mats are insane. They're massive. I'm like seeing from up here, I'm seeing the stories, the photos and everything and tell me they're, uh. They're just packed. There's no room for anything. And it's a pretty big gym. And for there to be no room in that gym is pretty, pretty impressive. Um, but uh, yeah, even the regular classes are starting to fill out a lot. They're trying to like keep the numbers uh, relatively limited just to, so people aren't like rolling on top of each other and you can still wrestle and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you could scramble for longer periods of time without running into a group or the wall. And uh, yeah, it's pretty much it, man. It's, that's the B team as it is as of now. Yeah. That's awesome. So are you guys going to do anything different in terms of like the structure of your training or your training methodology? I know you guys were with the DDS for so long and probably learned a ton of stuff, but I'm sure there were some things that maybe if you guys were in charge, you could have done slightly differently. So is there anything you're going to change in terms of like maybe even just like the number of sessions or the structure of the sessions compared to the DDS? Yeah, I think so. Again, I'm not there right now. I haven't seen exactly how they're running classes, um, but I think we're going to more or less keep it similar similarly structured just uh we're gonna be the four of us are gonna be each sort of brainstorming uh techniques amongst ourselves and uh as well as who else is who else is there like if there's other guys that are expert that are experts in their own field like high level wrestlers uh whatever it whatever it may be um they all have something to offer so that's a that's a huge asset like the, the guys coming in are a big asset to us um, so we're going to be sort of brainstorming, collaborating on techniques. Uh, we're going to be running classes relatively the same, you know, technique and then uh, specific situations. Probably going to branch out more on uh, the way like wrestling fits into jiu-jitsu. And I think that's a big, big part for ADCC and, and really tournaments going forward. Um, you see a lot of like the wrestling aspect of jiu-jitsu sort of uh, starting to creep into the sport more and more and, and play more of a, of a, of an effect in the matches. 
Um, so yeah, man, that's it. You got Craig roasting everyone. You got Nikki Rod exploding into people, blast doubling people. Uh, and then yeah, Nikki, Nikki Ryan just got there. I think he's still injured. He's think, I think he's still not training, but, uh, you know, he'll be back soon. He'll be back probably a month, two months, who knows. And, um, and yeah, I'm just stuck until I, until I can roll and that's it. Yeah. You got one thing that's really cool about that group of individuals is you guys are all Obviously, you're all really high level in each of your divisions, but you all have like really good strengths in your game. Like Nicky Rod, like you mentioned, his wrestling. Nicky Ryan has his heel hooks and the way he's been like wrestling up recently. You have yeah. like really good triangle and armbar attacks. Craig has his heel hooks. So it's cool that to mix all those games together. I feel like it's a really good blend and a really good group. Yeah, it's it's really cool to be able to learn from these guys and uh, just to brainstorm like our own. Exactly, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, and uh, we have a lot to learn from each other. And there's so much time to get this going yeah awesome so do you want to talk a little bit about like the current professional jiu-jitsu scene because right now i feel like it's it's kind of going separate ways like you have the wno tournament which is awesome i mean they're doing like events almost monthly and then they're doing the championships you have adcc then ibjjf added the heel hooks like every all the rule sets are slightly different there's not really one agreed upon rule set yet so can you talk about which ones which rule sets you like the most and where you see the sport going in terms of the professional aspect of it. So as far as rule sets go, I'd say the, the, simp the most straightforward right now is who's number one. It's, it's just gives the athletes pure... Uh, the, the goal is just excitement. The goal is aggression and excitement. Uh, there's no points, but they do score positions, you know, in terms of dominance and, and that sort. And uh, they don't look at like very shallow sub attempts. Like if you just jump on a weird wrist lock, like they, they know better, like they're experienced and they, the, the judges all are, you know, well-versed in what an actual deep sub attempt is or, and, and what it isn't. So it's, uh, I'd say right now, who's number one and ADCC are the premier rule sets. You, you could, you know, you could opt for the EBI overtime and it gives, gives guys a chance to sort of fight back if they're, if they've been, uh, sort of they're behind in the main in the main match but i'd say it's just i think it's falling off a bit i think the majority of of grapplers and and uh, entertainment entertaining matches i think you're going to find most of those in the who's number 1 and adcc rule set um and again it, wrestling is is just becoming more and more a factor in in jiu jitsu like if you get guys that come in uh from you know at a young age with a good wrestling pedigree they are really primed to do very well in the sport like if you can just stay on top in uh, who's number one rule set and you keep the pace you keep pushing the pace if you could tire the guy out like that's a massive factor in, in uh if you can have that in your game if the guy just can't if the guy can't wrestle up he can't get on top of you he can't pressure into your guard he can't tire you out there's you you're if you're on top of the guy you're controlling the pace so i think wrestling is a, a massive a massive component of that and that's why it makes more for more exciting matches in uh in judge-oriented rule sets, because you get guys actually fighting for top position instead of just conceding and letting your guard get past, and you know who cares because it's going to go to overtime. Definitely. So, so can you talk a little bit too about um, where you see like the professional scene going in the next, let's say, five years? Um, because I, I feel like who's number one is kind of becoming the premier event, but as of right now, there's still people who say IBJJF's the best or ADCC is the best. But, but where do you see it going in the next next five-ish years? Man, as far as as far as entertainment goes, and paying athletes and branching the sport out in different directions, it's it's who's number one and ADCC. It's Flow Grappling teaming up with ADCC. It's the 
there's no compete. Like IBGF is huge for sure, but they're doing, they're, they're different. They're doing opens. They're doing, you know, the, the Grand Prix didn't seem to catch on too well. Like the, I, from what I'm seeing, maybe I'm just in my Nogi world, but it seems like the Gi is kind of dying out. Um, it's still sick. Like watching some of those matches is insane, but to get a, a Gi match to be exciting is asking a lot more than for a Nogi match to be exciting. I think it's much more likely you're going to see a, like a, very good back and forth uh, action packed match in a no gi who's number one than a IBJJF gi finals. Like, I think it's, everyone agrees on that. Like, it's not, no matter, you could add heel hooks, you could add anything you want. It's not, it's not as exciting. There's points. So, as soon as you're ahead, you want to slow it down. And uh, there's a lot more friction. So, there's just less room to move. There's less opportunity to scramble. Like, it's, it's just constantly putting the brakes on movement. That's at least from my experience when I would train the gi. Um, that's how it felt, but uh, ah, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not a gi expert anymore, so I wouldn't. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? But uh, ADCC and, and who's number one are definitely, in my opinion, the the direction the sport is heading. I like how ADCC and who's number one are getting big corporate sponsors now too. I feel like that's going to bring eyeballs to the sport in and of itself. Massive. And I don't really oh, see yeah. the IBJJF really doing that. No, I don't see them doing that either. It doesn't seem like they're trying it doesn't seem like they're interested in it which is fine you know i'm still gonna compete in worlds when i'm when i'm healthy i, I signed up for worlds but uh that was another another tournament i had to pull out of um but yeah i don't see them it's more of like uh uh your own publicity thing it's if you're if you're if you're very well known people are gonna look at you but it's not gonna it's not gonna get like massive eyes as if you were on a who's number one or an adcc it's it's incomparable like they're on a completely different uh, stage at this point. They've really pulled ahead as far as uh, eyes on the sport. They've, they're clearly spearheading that. Definitely. So I want to take a step back too, because you were talking a little bit about what, how you think wrestling is going to be more important in high-level jiu-jitsu competition coming up. So yeah. do you think um, you're going to see, obviously you're probably going to see a lot more wrestlers getting into jiu-jitsu, trying to make a career out of it. But do you think for someone who starts jiu-jitsu first, do you think it's best for them to incorporate wrestling as part of their jiu-jitsu or to train their wrestling separately with wrestling experts? Uh, both. I think definitely both. You should go, go to a wrestling club, put on shoes and wrestle. Uh, that should definitely be an option for, for cross-training. Like that's for sure going to teach you how to wrestle properly as the wrestlers actually know how to do they, like jiu-jitsu guys it's, it's obviously very different you're not wearing shoes and you, you can submit guys you can guillotine kimura as they come in the shots um but it's still so valuable i think to actually get a feel for what they are doing in their field um yeah. but then definitely don't pull too much don't go too deep into that because then you'll end up getting guillotined or flying triangled or flying armbar or something as you come in for a shot or something like that so definitely wrestle with jiu-jitsu guys and it's totally, I, I, from my opinion, I think it's very, very smart to wrestle with wrestlers as well. You get different mm -hmm. feels, you get different levels of strength and flexibility and, and different reactions, but definitely, definitely wrestle with wrestlers and wrestle with jiu-jitsu guys. Yeah, you get the best of both worlds. <laughs> exactly. So another thing I'm noticing a lot in high-level jiu-jitsu competition is a lot of guys are taking their strength and conditioning a lot more seriously. And I know that's something that you dove into, I don't know if, if I would say recently, but maybe in the past couple of years. I don't know if that's fair, but can you talk about your exper experience adding more strength and conditioning to your routine and how that's helped your jiu-jitsu? 
Yeah, I think it's it's a very long process. It's it's uh, you you know you're building up isometric and explosive strength over a long period of time. Uh, your ligaments and your joints need time to recover and recuperate. You can't really like load yourself too hard, too fast, or uh, you'll get injured. So I'm still in that process. I'm still in like you know figuring out what weight I'm best at, what uh, size I'm best at, what you know caliber of, of training I can handle while also, well, what, sorry, what caliber of uh, like weight training and, and uh, physical training in that sense I can manage while mm -hmm. also training, uh, you know, twice a day uh, grappling. Um, I'm still very much in the learning process of that. Like I'm still sort of figuring out what's best for my body, but uh, I think I found an, a sort of even, uh, even ground for where my body type fits in and how, you know, how just what style I want to use for the level of strength and flexibility that I have. Yeah, there's so many. It's interesting because anytime this topic comes up, everyone always has a different opinion. Like some people like yeah. bodybuilding. Some people like powerlifting. Some people just like calisthenics. Are you kind of doing a mix of all of those? That's kind of what it seems like from, from what you yeah, post on social media. But definitely doing a mix of all those. But I think it's everyone's different, man. Everyone's body type and also your style. Like it depends what you need to be good at. If, you, if you're... Like if you're a top pressure wrestler, then I don't think like, I don't think you should maybe keep going into bodybuilding. Like if that's your style, you could, you could supplement that with like a small percentage of isometric, isometric strength training, but uh, you should maybe work on other aspects like your flexibility and your athleticism if you're, if you're not there. So I would say that basically what I'm trying to do is just work on the things that I don't have. So like fixing, I, I'd say I'm not very explosive maybe I, I don't know what i look like when i from other people but i feel like i'm not very explosive um i'm flexible so that's that's good i don't need to work on that i would say i'd say i just keep that uh where i'm at but work on things that i'm lacking in so explosivity isometric strength maybe and let's go from there yeah that makes sense and that kind of made me start thinking is that kind of how you pr approach your jiu-jitsu too or jiu-jitsu more focusing on your strengths uh, it's definitely, you know, when you're, when you're training, it's, it's the most fun to just go into what you're good at. So like lately before I was injured, I would just, I'd love guard passing being on top and tiring a guy out, guard passing, stepping around inside passing, outside passing. Um, but I definitely try to work on things that I'm lacking in. So like, uh, I say like pressure passing, I'm, I'm not, I, I never really got into pressure passing, but now I'm very, very uh, stubborn about like making sure that I nail it, that I have a good sequence, a good deep sequence to pressure passing into attacking the back. Because um, I, I felt like before I wasn't really good at that, so I think I'm, I've patched up that part of my game. Now I'd say uh, wrestling is where I need to get up to speed. I'd say that's like the, the thing I'm the least good at that I enjoy the least, but definitely need to work on the most. Are you a, a person who studies a lot of competition footage or training instructionals, anything like that? Uh, no, I, I used to a lot. And, uh, now I just, I like watching my own roles. Like if, uh, if we were to film a training session, I really like watching myself roll cause I could really, I could see the sequence happening and I know exactly what I'm thinking, what I'm trying to do. And it's a lot easier for me to see why I failed or why I succeeded. Um, mm. Other matches, I, lo I love watching entertaining matches, you know, like the, some of the matches like with Cade and Ty and uh, the, the who's number one a few, a few 
who's number one's back, uh, Jimenez versus Cade. Like this, these matches are so oh, yeah. fun to watch, man. This, this mm-hmm. just fun to watch. Like you can't deny that. But uh, yeah, as as far as matches go, studying wise, if the match is boring, it's just mind-numbingly. Like I just I hate it. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to look at it. Like I spend enough time training and watching it. I don't want to force myself to like. If if uh, if I'm really in the mood, like I still I go through. I'd say I go through like cycles of like, okay, I'll enjoy watching tape and I'll study and it'll be interesting. Like even a boring match, uh, there's things you could take away from it, and I'll I'll really understand. You know, I'll go back and replay and figure out what went wrong or what went right. But uh, lately, I've just I'm I just want to watch either myself or my teammates or entertaining matches. Beyond that, I don't care. <laughs> that's funny yeah we've we've done like this is the 108th episode of this podcast and you're probably like the second or third person who's ever brought up watching yourself and studying your own footage yeah i think that's a really valuable tool um, yeah so what, i think what would anyone you say, out there like can learn i think anyone out there can learn the most from watching themselves I think yeah interesting so do you watch like training footage or competition or both uh both for sure we're starting to film actually at the b team we set up cameras we're starting to film our own rules our own uh, sessions, our own, our own rounds. And uh, that's super valuable. I think it, like a lot of high level athletes in mainstream sports, uh, pretty sure they all do some version of that. Mm-hmm. Studying their own, their own movements, what they're doing. And uh, I think there's a, for me, in my opinion, there's the most to learn from watching yourself train and the most yeah. room to progress in, in that regard. Yeah, I feel like people a lot of times when they watch film, they're trying to mimic. But if you can really hone in on your own weaknesses and the own things you need to work on, I feel like that will offer a lot more value. Yeah, and strengths too. That's awesome. So do you want to talk a little bit about uh, being a full-time grappler? Because I think you're one of the... You're one of like the pioneers of that who like started being a full-time grappler like pretty early on in your professional career. So what advice would you have yeah. for someone who, who has those type of goals? Like they want to train jiu-jitsu full-time. They want to be a champion, win ADCC. Like let's say they're maybe just a blue belt right now. What, what, would, you, yeah. what would you tell them? So, yeah, I was in a weird spot where I, I started – I only started training at uh, 19, I think. So – and the sport was like just starting to blow up. Like flow grappling was kind of around, but it was it was much more wrestling than grappling. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it it was look if I could do it back then, then I feel like it's very very doable now. Like if I could go back and uh, start my career now, let's say, and be eighteen or nineteen now, then I'd say it's uh, you're gonna have a much smoother road to get to you know a big a big following and a reliable source of income that you can use to further your career that you can invest in yourself and sort of get that momentum going. Uh, the only, the, the counter to that is now the sport is deeper. So I'd say the skill, the overall skill level is deeper. Um, people are getting harder to leg lock. People are getting harder to sweep. People are getting harder to, to do everything on. Um, and there's a lot more sort of, the skill ceiling is starting to, to get higher and higher. So there's that, you know, it's harder to get to the upper echelon than it was, I'd say when I started. And, um, yeah, so it's like there's pros and cons in that sense. There's more money in it, but it's bigger and therefore harder to get to the top. Do you have any advice in terms of like developing your income streams? Cause like, I know a lot of people in the past have done seminars and stuff and you guys do some of them, yeah. but 
um, you're not really on like the seminar grind like some other competitors have been in the past. So, but but you guys have also done a great job of sticking together and making it work. So, do you have any other yeah. tips in terms of like how to build your your revenue streams or maybe even just like your personal brand online? Yes. Yeah, so you definitely look. People want to see what you're up to, and people want to see you compete, and most of all, people want to see you win. So it's really what it comes down to. Like be be yourself on Instagram. Just show everyone what you're up to. Um, compete as much as you can. Not too much to the point where you're going to get sick of it or going to get injured, but as much as you can tolerate, you know, your brain and body can tolerate. And uh, just get yourself out there. Accept matches that you don't think you might want. Accept, go, go out of your way to go to these tournaments. Like I would travel, like I went to Kiev earlier last year or this year, I forget, like go out of your way to go get those tournaments. You know, if you're, uh, if you're hungry to compete, then go after it, put yourself out there, save up however you can to get that plane ticket, get that, get that match going or, you know, branding yourself is, is not so straightforward, but it's a lot easier if you're constantly competing and constantly out there, people will take notice. Yeah. I feel like if you're constantly on flow grappling and the other platforms, like yeah. I don't know, doing third coast and the more if you're winning, you get, if you're constantly the more, out there yeah, and you're doing good and you're true. exciting, you are inevitably going to get, uh, you, you're going to find success. If you're exciting and if you put matches, if you, uh, you put yourself out there and you, you win, you show your, you show that you're exciting, you show your style, whatever it may be, like as long as it's entertaining and there's some value of watching you compete, uh, promoters, promotions are going to see that they're going to, they're going to hit you up and you'll you'll keep going you'll keep it going there's so many like little events now like these sub only events that used to come around like once a month now there's like 10 a month all over the country so you have no Mm -hmm. excuse you can get there you can do it uh at the very least it's experience like it's if you're good you're gonna make it if you're if you're not good then it's gonna be harder for you but you know you gotta like i said you can get yourself out there as much as you can and just be exciting. That's the least you can do. Most you could do is be exciting and win. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If you do those things, you're, you're probably well on your way to success. So you talked a little bit too about like how the skill ceiling is getting higher for the younger generation. Are there any, any guys that you like to watch that you think have like a really bright future? Like I know there's the Mika Galvals and the, the Rutolo brothers and people like that, kids who've been training since they were literally able to walk. Are there, do you pay attention to the younger generation? Is there anyone who excites you about their future? Um, I mean, at this tournament, this who's number one, I saw that kid, um, Cole Abate. Abate. Uh, yeah, he's clearly, he's going to be very good. I don't know exactly where he made it to. I I don't think he's, uh, in the finals, but I think he made it. Yeah. He lost to, uh, Gabriel Souza by decision. Uh, Okay. Lost Gabe Souza by decision. So yeah, yeah, I mean, this, this guy's good. I'm sure there's so many, I'm, I'm not like super plugged in where I know like all the up and comers. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I, I know like a lot of up and comers and where they're at, but that's just because I don't really look into that it that much. Um, mm-hmm. But dude, there's so many unknowns out there that are coming up that are creeping their way into like the main flow grappling scene, the ADCC scene. Uh, I think it's going to be very, I think they're going to be very visible at these, uh, the trials that are coming up, East and West Coast mm-hmm. trials, Brazil trials. Um, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of up-and-comers in, in those events because ADCC is like the the big one. You know, these these who's number one, these IBJFs, they're all sort of, they're massive, 
uh, who's number one, especially this one is insane. This prize money is insane. The production's insane. Um, but ADCC is like the king right now in terms of exposure and how much marketability you're going to get and how much, uh, sort of how life-changing it is. It's the prize money is obviously great, but it's life-changing to win ADCC. It's not necessarily life-changing mm -hmm. to win uh, who's number one. Not yet, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully that, that changes in the future, but I definitely think the future's bright for both those events. Yeah. So, so taking a lot of your time already, so I don't want to, I know you're yeah, it's all still good. recovering. You just had your surgery. So <laughs> is there any special projects or instructionals or any events coming up that, that you want to touch on? Uh, there was, but unfortunately not anymore, you know, with events coming up, uh, I'm just, I'm in Montreal now. As soon as I could start really doing physio and start to drill lightly, then I'll head back to Texas and, uh, back to the B team. Other than that, man, I'm, I'm just enjoying life, hanging with family, friends. That's it, man. Yeah, that's awesome. I know a lot of people would like to see you put out an instructional, maybe with fanatics or something like that. A lot of people really yeah, like your game. Yeah, definitely. I, myself tell, too, personally. Tell fanatics, so. man. Go go tag me in fanatics. Say say you want instructional for me. We'll we'll do it. But yeah, yeah I would love would, to. Honestly, I've been trying awesome. to get an instructional out for, for a while now, but the timing's never been right. And uh, now, obviously, I can't. With, with the injury, I can't yet. Um, near the end of the recovery, it would be a great time to do it, uh, an instructional, though. You know, yeah. you can't really compete. You can't really train, but you can teach. Mm -hmm. um but yeah if you guys want to whoever's watching this if you guys want me to go do an instructional bjj fanatics go tag me go go tell them man yeah i'm gonna tag them in the uh in the post when i post the episode <laughs> all right do it yeah <laughs> sweet well awesome, thanks again man. ethan for your time i i really appreciate it wish you the best of luck with your recovery i know you're gonna put a ton of effort into your physio and you're gonna come back stronger just because i know that's the type of work work ethic you have and i know you're gonna have a lot of success as a competitor once you recover Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. It's fun. Yeah, for awesome. sure. So th thanks, everyone, for listening. This was episode 108 of the Open Guard Cast, and we'll be back next week with another episode.